It is Friday, November 22nd, 2019. We just landed on a beautiful trip down to Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to Georgia Tech getting the third win of the season over the NC State Wolfpack. How? I'll tell you what, a lot of question marks surrounding that call at the end of the Colts-Texans game. It was a fumble. We all know it was a fucking fumble. Alberto Riveron's going to get it wrong, though. We know that. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game yet. I'm going to watch it here when I get home. It's 1 a.m. I'm going to have myself ready to go for the live show at 10 a.m. But, God damn, we needed that win. It's hard to get a win on the road on Thursday night, though. Jacoby Brissett, still an MVP candidate. I don't care what you say. T.Y. Hilton's going to bounce back. But, boy, that was a rough ending to that game. Darius Leonard had his hands up celebrating, ready to rock. We'll talk about it in more detail. Congrats to Houston Texans back bouncing back after the molly whopping that happened in Baltimore. Good for Deshaun Watson. I don't know how DeAndre Hopkins got that wide open on their first touchdown. A couple insane catches, though. I mean, they're a good football team. Hey, that's a good football team. So are the Colts. AFC South is going to get interesting here. Speaking of interesting, if you're going to go watch a show... There's only one place to go to buy your tickets, and that's from our friends at SeatGeek, the greatest ticket-buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. That's right. If you're going to go to the moon, I think what you're going to see up there is probably that Cybertruck that fucking Elon Musk just debuted last night. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. That son of a bitch is ugly. Uh, But if Elon Musk made it, I assume it's from the future, and if that's what cars are going to look like in the future, I'm happy we live in the now. Uh, but if you're going to go to the moon and buy something for a live event, if you're going to go to a comedic show, a concert, a sporting event, anything like that, you make sure you get your tickets from SeatGeek because right now you're getting $10 off your first order on SeatGeek with promo code PAT. You're getting $20 off your first order with promo code McAfee. Wow, that's wow. crazy. How do you know they're the best tickets available at the best price available? Because SeatGeek scans all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best value, the best bang for your buck. All the other places catfish too. You're not 100% sure if the ticket you buy is the ticket you get. With SeatGeek, you can shop with confidence because you know what you buy is what you're going to get. Shout out to SeatGeek for being our presenting sponsor. Shout out to SeatGeek for being our first sponsor. And shout out to SeatGeek for taking care of incredible people like you whenever you need a ticket to a live event. Are you alive but are you living? Go live and experience something live with SeatGeek. Now, hey, this shit's about to get live in here for real. Joining us now via phone is a man who spent his entire career for the Cleveland Browns. He was a left tackle. Some say the greatest left tackle to ever play the game. He just so happened to be trapped in a team that didn't have all the success in the world. Now you can see him on NFL Network. He's on the pre-show on Thursday Night Football, which you can find on NFL Network. He's very, very handsome. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Thomas. Gentlemen, gentlemen, thank you for having me on amidst all the BS that you just spewed. The only thing that was true is that I am very handsome, so thank you for that. Hey, you got that shaved head. You kind of look like a Hasselbeck now that you're up there on television. <laughs> oh, I can't. Oh man, that, that kind of hurts me a little bit. I, I thought I liked you for a second there, but I, hey, man, I, I, I'm just trying to blend in, man. I just don't want to get the haircut. You know, sometimes these media jobs they come down with the hatches pretty hard. So I'm just trying to stay under, keep my head down. I have a question for you. Uh, Hasselbeck does get like. 10 tweets every time you're on television about congratulating him on a new gig over at NFL Network. So it's the only reason why I said that. <laughs> have you enjoyed the TV gig? Have you felt like you've had to change or adapt at all? Or have, you, have they kind of just let you be you and you enjoy spewing some knowledge to the folks on Thursday nights? Well, that's what I've really enjoyed about working with the NFL Network. They've kind of just let me be me and go out and have some fun, try to 
you know, insert a little bit of humor into the NFL, but also give a lineman's perspective. There's not too many linemen that get a chance to go on TV, especially with Thursday Night Football, and, you know, give the perspective from the trenches, which is, tends to be a little bit different than those guys that get to play with the, the balls all the time. Well, I play balls all the time, and I, my perspective is a little bit different as well. But from the trenches, that's where the game is won. We're getting into the season where the game is won in the trenches via running the ball and stopping the run. What team in the NFL sticks out to you most? It seems like they have a game plan or a team that can make the long haul here and get to the Super Bowl. Well, the NFC obviously is loaded, but specifically in the AFC, I actually think your Indianapolis Colts are pretty well loaded for oh. a good run here come December. I mean, you look what they do really well. They play great, fundamentally sound defense, a lot of good zone coverages, which hold up well in bad conditions. They can run the football pretty well. They've got a dominant offensive line, the most fearsome offensive lineman in football in Quentin Nelson, and they've got a really smart coach in Frank Reich. And so uh, with Jacoby Brissett coming back and T.Y. Hilton coming back, being able to maybe push the ball down the field a little bit more, I think they can make some noise in, the, in an AFC that really it's anybody's race right now, especially with the way the Patriots are playing on offense. I've been saying this for a long time. Everybody calls me a homer and a dummy. I've been yelling into cameras that I can't say, hey, this particular Colts team is built different. This is different than the teams that I played on. They built it in a fundamental fashion. Chris Ballard has really gone to work with the offensive line and the defense. Quentin Nelson had a couple games there where he didn't seem as if he was on. I might be wrong. I don't know about that. But offensive linemen, the mentality, is there chances where you can have a bye or a bad week and then bounce back? Because it feels like the Colts offensive line has done that, especially with the keg stand celebration. Well, you said it. I mean, I, I don't remember a better touchdown celebration ever <laughs> in pro football. I mean, you go back all the way to the icky shuffle and all those cute little dances, but nobody beats lifting a 360-pound Quentin <laughs> Nelson up like you're doing a college keg stand at University of Wisconsin-Madison. So, um, oh. no, you're right, though. I, I think when you look at uh, Quentin, why I said he's the most fearsome and dominant is because what he does in the run game, the way he tortures people, he tries to collapse your chest. He just doesn't want to block you. He wants to destroy you. And I think that's the type of football that can win in December. And uh, everybody on the offensive line who's ever played has had bad games. You've gone through tough stretches, especially when you have great opponents that you're going against. Uh, but it's all about how you bounce back. It's all about your ability to make some corrections, come back, put your nose to the grindstone, and get a little bit better. And I think that's what they did. You saw them last week. They played some really good football. So um, they have an opportunity you know, to be playing their best football in December, which is what championship teams do. I think the NFL wants us to move on past this, but you said he doesn't only want to beat you, he wants to basically ruin you. Speaking of a man who's trying to ruin another individual over there in Cleveland, what were your thoughts on Miles Garrett's situation? I'm assuming you've had to talk about this ad nauseum because you're one of the biggest voices in Cleveland Browns. We know Miles Garrett off the field is not normally like this, but man, when the game was over, you sealed a victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home on national television. To have that be the last taste in everybody's mouth is kind of a crazy situation for the Browns. Yeah, there's no defense of what Miles did. And, uh, you know, Quentin, to his credit, hasn't ripped off anybody's helmet and tried to tomahawk <laughs> chop over the head. So uh, I feel like he's playing within the rules as of right now. Um, but, no, I, I thought that was totally out of character of Miles. Like you mentioned, I've known him since he was even before drafted by the, the Browns. He reached out to me on Twitter and uh, struck up a conversation. And then his first year in Cleveland, I did everything I, I could to try to help. That was my last year in the NFL. And, 
I just know a different person, and that's what I've tried to disseminate, you know, going on the different radio shows and the TV shows this week to talk about the incident that uh, I was at there on Thursday night. Um, but I, I, all I can say is, you know, I guess everybody has that point where they'll snap and they go out of character, they see red, like people have said, and you do things that you regret. And I think as soon as Miles did it, you saw him laying on the ground, he basically was regretting it when he was laying there and Marquise Pouncey was going, uh, kicks curb stomp on him but i I don't know i I think the nfl actually did a pretty good job with their discipline i thought they were pretty good as far as what they handed down i thought it was really fair to suspend miles for the remainder of the season to to ding pouncey for three games um and then larry oganjobi from the browns for one game and then find mason rudolph and a ton of other guys um so hopefully it was an ugly moment that the nfl could move on from and fans can quickly forget and, and Miles can come back next season, make amends and, and be the great player that he was this year, maybe even better. Joe, you said that they handled the suspensions correctly, but I disagree. I mean, don't you think Mason Rudolph should at least got five or six games for starting it? This is coming from a Steelers fan, by the oh. way. <laughs> wow. Uh, that would be a hot take if you're a Steelers fan. Well, no, I clearly think that Mason Rudolph started it. He started a fight that he couldn't finish. He's used to being a big guy in college football. He is a big quarterback, right? He's 6'5", 225, or whatever he is. But this is a grown man's game. And he's got to understand his role, and he understands the pecking order in the NFL. Until the kicker trots his skinny little butt out there, he is the softest, weakest man on the field. Not the punter. I said the kicker. You as the quarterback. You are the softest man on the field. You do not pick fights with anybody. That's what your offensive line is for. If you're mad about Miles hitting you what you thought was late, which I didn't think it was a bad hit, and the ref agreed with me because he didn't throw the flag because Miles is tackling a guy and he doesn't know if he's throwing the football or not. But outside of that, if you have a beef, that's for your offensive lineman to take care of. That's not for you to try to go start a fight that you can't finish. So clearly Mason Rudolph is the instigator in this case. And then after your helmet gets ripped off, to try to go back after somebody was completely ill-advised, and that's why I think he got fined. But how would it look for the NFL if the man that just got beamed over the head with his own helmet gets suspended for his role as the instigator? I just think the NFL couldn't take that look. And my, my podcast co-host, Andrew Hawkins, had a great take. He said, the NFL didn't suspend him, which is a worse punishment for the Steelers. You being a yes, Steelers fan, yes. you've seen how Mason Rudolph has played. Yes. So they're going to force him to play with Mason Rudolph next week as the ultimate punishment. Yeah, the Tomahawk Show, by the way, incredible podcast. Download it now. You guys do a great job. Diggs said that Appreciate specifically it. because he thought that the NFL should suspend Mason Rudolph indefinitely for his entire career. I believe he's a diehard yeah. Steelers fan. <laughs> That's what he was hoping. And you, yes. said, you said something in there, though, that I think uh, reigns pretty true. This is a grown man's league. I don't know if you saw this or not. Dwayne Haskins was pleading with his offensive line in the middle of a game, what can I do to help you? And he was delivering it in a fashion that, you know, I would assume like maybe some veteran quarterbacks could do. And I said, like in the NFL, it's a little bit different. Even though you're a leader and you're a quarterback, you have to handle and manage egos a little bit differently. In college, you're the big man on campus. In the NFL, you got to earn your stripes, you're bottom of the totem pole again while still being a leader. I said it was a tough look for Dwayne Haskins because they basically laughed in his face, which probably means off the field, off of Sundays, He's probably not doing a lot of leadership things. Is there any way that a rookie quarterback can talk to an offensive line, or how do they have to do that to still be a leader, still motivate his group without completely offending them and making them laugh in his face? 
I'm sure you've seen this a lot, Pat, but you get these All-Americans, you know, maybe Heisman Trophy winners, first-round draft picks. They show up. They're used to being the big man on campus. They're used to being their captain, their leader, their team, which is great. We love those qualities. Yeah. But you got to understand that when you come to the NFL and you're dealing with grown men, you're dealing with 35, 40-year-old adults that have been in the NFL 10, 15, 20, 40 years if you're Tom Brady. And these guys have been around. They've seen everything. There's a different maturity level and a different level of understanding and respect that you got to have. And when you're a rookie, you got to know that you don't know everything. And by saying that, the best way you can get the respect of your teammates is show up, work as hard as you possibly can, keep your mouth shut and your eyes open because you're there to learn as much as you can. And as you prove that you know what you're doing and you can be reliable, then that's when you're going to get the respect and that's when you can start speaking up. And your teammates are going to listen to you and they're going to follow you, but you can't be a leader if you don't know what you're doing yourself. That's the first role of being a great leader in any position is you know what you're doing and you're able to do it. Then people can follow you and then you can be vocal about it. But you can't be vocal if you don't know what you're doing and you're not doing a good job. People, a lot of people came after me. They're like, well, what is Dwayne Haskins supposed to do? I'm like, well, just by looking at the way those offensive line looked at him, I would assume he's not earning their respect off the field. I, I would assume in the meeting room, in the training room, in the workout, in everywhere, he's not doing that just yet. I hope he does, even though that entire Redskins team, I think, is about to get blown up and built around yeah. him. I, I, I think that is where you earn that respect that is off the field. Absolutely. Absolutely, Pat. You don't earn the respect just because you're named the starter because of injury or because of draft status. You have to earn that. You have to prove to your teammates that you have the ability to step into that position and you're going to do a great job and they can count on you to get the job done because in the end, their job's dependent on it. Their family's dependent on it. This is a business for those people. This is their career. This is not a hobby, right? So they need that quarterback to be able to go in there and earn the respect and do the things that he needs to, not only on the field, but in the meeting rooms. They need to see the commitment and the dedication in that film room, on that practice field. That's where you earn it. You can't just show up and assume to be the starter uh, or excuse me and assume to get that respect I've had a few quarterbacks that was Johnny Manziel's biggest problem he thought because he was a first round pick he was just going to show up and be the, a great quarterback no you got to put in the time and you got to put in the work that's how you gain the respect and become a great player I'll never forget I had to hold right obviously it's my first time holding and when you're holding in practice you got to tell these offensive linemen who just got out of individual drills that just got out of maybe inside drill things like that they're very tired and field goal was right in the middle of practice for us and I have to get back there and now, you know, I, I give the cadence for the field goal and I have to tell them to get down, you know, if things are happening. So I would, I would never forget going, uh, Mr. Lilja, uh, is there any way we're trying to do a field goal right now? Is it, if we can get a couple of, like as a rookie, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to listen. And if I'm doing this wrong, you just let me know how. I just don't want to upset anybody. It's a tough position to be in though as a rookie quarterback where you're supposed to be the leader, but you got to earn the respect first when you came off of uh, being the Mr. All American, basically. It's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, when, when you're not the top man on the pecking order and you're not the top of the, the totem pole, you can earn it with humor. And I thought you did a great job there, right? <laughs> so Dwayne Haskins, maybe in that situation, try to earn their respect and get them to do what you want with humor. Because if you're going to try to stand up there and club them over the head and make them respect you, that's not going to work. That's like the pipsqueak graduate assistant or quality control guy just coming in and screaming at Peyton Manning or one of the top dogs on the team. It doesn't work like that. you got to know where you fit on the roster and if you're not at the top you can't just go running around screaming at people because they'll lose all respect that they had for you by the how much respect would i have for Dwayne haskins by the way he walks into that huddle and goes boys 
Hey, we've stunk this year, man. Is there anything <laughs> we can do a little bit different? I mean, you just let me know. that It's just all about how you handle it. you got to finesse people in that particular case. Okay, starting tomorrow night on NFL Network, you'll be there for the pre-show, the pre-game show at 6 o'clock, I believe. It starts in Houston. This weekend is one of the best weekends of NFL football in the history of the Super Bowl era. Only four times since the Super Bowl have began has begun. Adam Schefter gave me this quote on a tweet. There have been four primetime games with winning teams playing each other. You got the Cowboys, Patriots, you got the Rams and the Ravens, you got the Niners, Packers, Houston, Texans, and Indianapolis Colts. What are you looking forward to? What can we learn this weekend, Mr. Joe Thomas? Well, we'll probably learn nothing, just like every single weekend in the NFL, like last weekend, or the weekend before, where the Falcons came out and they just started stomping on people like they woke up from the dead. But that's what I love about the NFL is we think we know where all these teams sit. We think we know who's good. We think we know who's bad. And all of a sudden, every weekend, they turn it on their head. But I tell you, the interesting thing for me is I want to see how the AFC playoff race shakes out. I think the NFC, we kind of know who the best teams are. We have a pretty good idea who are the wild cards. We know the Vikings and the Packers are probably going to come out of the NFC North. There's probably going to be a wild card in the NFC West. But the AFC really is almost wide open. You look at all these teams that are kind of in the middle, and even the Browns there at sort of towards the bottom could make a run with the easiness of the schedule that they have in the AFC that uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. And everybody kind of wants to find out a little bit more about these Patriots. Like, how long can this defense continue to carry that team? Can Tom Brady start leading this offense and playing better football so they can score more points? Can their offensive line block for them? And then, of course, in the AFC South, the game tomorrow night, Houston, are they going to be able to bounce back from the shellacking from the Ravens? I think they have a really good opportunity. You know, Deshaun Watson was the leader in the clubhouse in the MVP race until last weekend, and uh, all I know, they call him Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, what he does, if he ever had a bad game, he'd bounce back. So, for your Colts, I'd, I'd watch out for Deshaun Watson to have a big game tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm always scared of Deshaun Watson. Honestly, he has become something that's very special. Speaking of something special in the AFC, Lamar Jackson in that AFC North. I have no idea how you stop him. Every time I've talked to a retired player, talked to Kyle Williams yesterday, D-tackle, he said, I have no idea. Because if you're trying to hold up and kind of contain him, then he has nothing but time to throw it to one of his tight ends or to Marquise Brown. If you're trying to get pressure on him, he eludes it and he gets out of there. He has no idea how you stop him. What would it be like to block for a guy like Lamar Jackson? Is that the easiest job on earth or do you have to still maintain some sort of technique and strategery out there so being the savvy media football analyst that i am <laughs> i incorrectly called that lamar jackson was not going to be able to be a great nfl player because he couldn't throw the football where i was really wrong was i underestimated his athletic ability because i thought he was just a great athlete in college and you're going to get to the pros and then everybody's a pretty good athlete I didn't realize that he was going to be playing at a different speed than those other guys. You watch him going against some of the most athletic people in the NFL. Heck, watch him against the Patriots. Jamie Collins, one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. He makes those guys look like they're just running in second gear. It is incredible. The last guy I can remember to think that could play like that was like Barry Sanders, where guys were trying to break down and trying to go slow, but he was still running past them. And he's improved almost every week as a passer, which has got to be so frightening for defenses because in the past they were saying, okay, we'll just load up on all these skinny guys. We'll put them close to the line of scrimmage. We'll take away their run game. We'll force Lamar Jackson to throw. Well, now people are forcing him to throw – and he's completing like 17 out of 19 passes, four touchdowns. He's got perfect passer ratings. 
it's just remarkable what he's doing. And really, until he loses half a step and he's a little bit more on everybody's athletic ability uh, scale, I don't see how you stop him unless he just starts flinging interceptions. But he's proven already in only his second year that he's a really good decision maker, which I think is, is a surprise for a lot of people. He's not throwing perfect balls all the time like Drew Brees. But you know what? He doesn't have to because he's so explosive with his feet that teams really can't do anything. And I think the only way you beat the Ravens is if somehow you get an early lead and just force them to play from behind. That's the only thing we've seen right now that Lamar Jackson hasn't really excelled at. But I think with his big playability running the football, even when they're behind, it's not like they can't run the football anymore. They can still run the ball when they're down 14 or more because of those explosive plays that he can do. So good luck, NFL defenses. Yeah, he's dynamic. You've played 10,363 consecutive snaps. That's unbelievable. You're an Iron Man by all accounts. The only thing that everybody says is going to stop Lamar Jackson is if he gets injured. How do you think yeah. he maintains his career without doing that? He's taking 130 less shots than Christian McCaffrey, who the entire Carolina Panthers team has been around. So he's taking less shots than players like that. But as a quarterback, he's taking more shots than anybody else. Do you think he can maintain this thing? Because that's the big question mark that everybody who puts on makeup and speaks in the camera says. Yeah, I got a lot of makeup on, and I was really concerned. Lamar Jackson, though, he really concerned me because quarterbacks that run the football, they just get beat up. Even if they don't have the big injury, what happens is, is over time, you see it's the Cam Newton effect. It's all the little things they add up. That's what happens in the NFL when you get older. When you're a pocket passer at quarterback, you just don't get hit as much, so you can play forever. But where I was wrong, again, was the great job that Greg Roman has done and the ability for the Ravens to horizontally stretch defenses. If you watch almost every play pre-snap, they've got a receiver running horizontally in motion with a jet sweep fake or a, 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 an inside or an outside zone fake from across uh, the formation. They've got Lamar Jackson going one way. And what it does is it creates a lot of space in the defense. You don't see this beehive-type defense where everybody's balled up and you get a lot of big hits. And Lamar is such a great athlete, and he's so fast and explosive that people aren't getting good direct hits on him. Because of that offense and how they spread everybody horizontally, now he's got space to work. And now everybody is so worried about his long speed and his quickness, they're breaking down and they're not taking those seek-and-destroy missile-type defensive hits that you see. And so when you watch him, he really doesn't take a lot of big hits. Yeah, he'll get hit, but it's almost kind of like when we used to watch Barry Sanders. Guys were just barely getting him down, or he was getting out in open space, and he was able to get down or get sort of a glancing blow from a defense. And I think until he gets some type of just weird like ankle sprain and it slows him down a little bit, or just age. You know, once you get up into, you know, your late 20s, maybe early 30s, he's going to be a little bit slower than he was right now. And I think that's the only thing that could slow him down and force him to be more of a passer. Thanks for cutting me off. No, no, you didn't get played <laughs> off there. You didn't get played off there. That was a technical malfunction. I'd like to let you know that. I was intrigued. <laughs> They're playing the music during my acceptance speech right now at the Grammy. <laughs> I know. I was intrigued to hear you talk, though, Joe, because the way you break things down is so damn good. There's a reason why you're the greatest offensive lineman to ever exist you're also the first offensive lineman to ever exist shout out to one of the taglines you do great on nfo network uh joe thomas the tomahawk podcast incredible stuff i thank you man did he hang up you guys oh we played the music and he hung up oh no come on did he hang oh he's still there still joe he's still on the line 
now he's gone. No! <laughs> we interrupt this conversation to let you know that this season, Omaha Stakes is sharing an amazing limited time offer with listeners of this show to get a jump on your holiday shopping. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code AMERICA in the search bar to order the favorite gift package, the gift all of your friends and family will love for only $69.99. Order now, and this is what you'll get for $69.99. You get four six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet mignon. That's the most tender steak in the world, by the way. You get four savory premium pork chops. You get four Omaha Steaks burgers. Four perfectly brown potatoes au gratin. Four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets. An Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet. And, plus, for listeners of our show, a free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board. All of this is for only $69.99. Four six-ounce bacon wrap filet mignon, four premium pork chop, four Omaha Steaks burger, four potatoes au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet, and a six-piece cutlery set for just $69.99. All this delicious food plus the cutlery set they'll enjoy for years to come for only $69.99. Omaha Steaks are the most tender, the most flavorful, and you can only get this deal in the steaks of this quality from Omaha Steaks, America's original butcher again order now and you can get the favorite gift package plus the free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board for only 69.99 just go to omahasteaks.com and type america in the search bar don't wait this offer ends soon order the favorite gift package today get a couple of them save them for the winter stock up like your squirrel is putting some nuts in their cheeks 69.99 a lot of meat and a six-piece cutlery set let's go Joining us next is a freak athlete, a man who played for the Lions and the Seahawks, big-time football player, all-pro, pro pro bowler, ladies and gentlemen, Cliff Averill. Cliff! (laughs) What's going on? Hey, you look good. I see the button down there. Where are you from? Where are you calling us from right now? I am in London right now, man. It's cold. It's freezing. Um, So, yeah, that's why I got a button down on. What the hell is going on in England? (laughs) I'm out here working with Sky Sports, man, trying to... Trying to go international because there's so much competition in the States. So I, I try to go a different route. Smart. Very, very smart. Okay, let's lead to the. You're a very intelligent man. I mean, not just because of this decision, but because of other decisions. <laughs> when it comes to the NFL and the NFC right now, uh, who do you like? What do you see out of the Seahawks? Are they stoppable? In the NFC this weekend, you got Packers and Niners going against each other. What do you like about the NFC so far? The NFC is stacked, man. You talk about the Packers, you talk about the Niners, the Seahawks. I mean, uh, you go down the list, man. There's there's a lot of good teams playing some really good ball. Um, I'd be interested to see how this 49ers Green Bay game goes, man, because obviously Aaron Rodgers is a beast with that defense uh, being the 49ers, but also uh, seeing what Jimmy G can do against, you know, another good defense as well with what Green Bay has going on. So I'd be interested to see how that plays out, man. That's going to say a, a lot about the 49ers and Green Bay. Okay, so I was told by a man who plays offensive line for a team that played against the Niners that what they do is they get you in a third down, and then they have figured out a way to get everybody ISOed. So it's one-on-one. So it's yeah. the D-line are all shifted to one side, and then you got an end, and then you got a linebacker that comes down. Is that accurate? Is that normal for defenses to be able to do? 
Well, I know the D-line coach, Chris Kassirk. He was my D-line coach in Detroit. So that's still some of the same stuff we used to do. We started doing some of that stuff in, in Seattle as well through those Super Bowl runs and different things like that. But, yes, it is to line guys up and get the best opportunity to get them one-on-one. -on -one. You shift it. You overload to one side. Then you have to slide the guard maybe, uh, the opposite guard maybe, to come down and try to help as well. And then, then it creates gaps and holes and different things like that. But the objective is to get one-on-one, -on -one, especially for your edge guys. Okay, so for the dummies listening at home that don't fully understand what that means, what does that mean for an offense? How do you beat that? Um, what it means for our offense is everybody has to be on, on the same page. But again, you line up, you overload, meaning you put three guys on the on one side of the center. So now it's three against three, right? And the center has to kind of figure out things. And then usually that backside guard that's by himself, he's either got to pick, does he want to help that, that defensive end that's over there by himself or let that tackle kind of guard him one-on-one -on -one or slide down and try to help that way. So it just – it's just all about communication more so than anything and making sure everybody's on the same page. And as soon as you're not on the same page, bang, big time sack. Now it's fourth and yes. long. Got to turn it over. Exactly. It puts quarterbacks in a predicament for sure. Hopefully you get a sack fumble and make something happen from there. Okay. The NFL was talking about going to a 17 game season, adding a bye week. You just cringed in your face right there. More money <laughs> for everybody, more football for everybody. You hate this or do you think this is a good answer to the 18 16 conversation that was happening between the NFL and NFLPA? I don't know, man. I think more games doesn't necessarily mean good, uh, good football. You know what I'm saying? Like the game of football, the NFL is hard. 16 games, uh, in a season. I mean, you're lucky if you can get all your starters to play all 16 games. So adding another game, I don't know if that necessarily helps. I don't know if the quality of football will be the same. Yeah, you might add a bye week and that might help, but. Does it really help? I don't know. I don't know if we'll want to see that. I think 16 games is perfect. Heck, I wouldn't be opposed to 14, and I wouldn't even play anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to that just knowing, like, how beat up guys are going into week 15, 16, you know, even having that bye week. We're getting into that time of year right now, and health mm -hmm. is a number one concern for whether or not you think a team is going to be good or not. The New England Patriots are healthy right now. They're getting their left tackle back, who has been a key missing component. You've seen Tom Brady, obviously, for a long time. We all have. You think that offense could be able to figure it out, or has defenses, like the Eagles defense, figured out how to rattle them? Is that something? Is it more the defense, or is it more the offense right now in New England, you think? I think it's their uh, – honestly, I think it starts with their uh, their O-line. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's some injuries there as well. And you can tell, even watching the game last week with Tom Brady – he doesn't look like himself because guys are getting in his face. He's getting rattled. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're the GOAT. I don't care if you're a, a rookie. At quarterback, none of them like being hit. None of them like being pressured. None of them like being moved off the spot. So when you see Tom Brady a little frazzled like that, it's because his O-line isn't holding up. And there's a lot of moving pieces there. But the one thing with Tom Brady that he has that he hasn't had in the past is that doggone defense. That defense is playing really, really well, and at least he can rely on that moving forward as well. The last two times, I guess, they had a in 2001-2003, they had a 17 and 9th ranked offense, and they still won a Super Bowl. So the defense can carry them to Super Bowl championships. Uh, we only got a couple minutes left here. I'm so thankful you're joining us from London. Lamar Jackson has captivated the world. He's playing on Monday Night Football against the Rams. Do they have any chance of stopping him or containing him, or are the Ravens going to win by 40 like I think? <laughs> oh, man, I haven't seen anybody stop him yet. You know, I think this is not the year that – 
anybody's going to figure out how to stop him. It's no different from any of these other quarterbacks, right? Like the the cap years and different things like that. The first year out, man, it's exciting. You know, people don't know how to uh, break it down. No, people don't know how to stop it and different things like that. But the following years, when people have a whole offseason to kind of plan, then I think things will slow down a little bit. But right now, this man is playing lights out. You know, it's extremely hard to stop. You know, think about the running game, right? When you're running the ball with the running back, it's usually nine blockers, eight blockers. Now we're talking about 10 guys are blocking for the quarterback. That, that makes a big difference. There's extra gaps. There's extra things that are going. So a defense is hard to, to, to see what they're going to do. But to answer your question, it's going to be hard to stop that man. He is balling out. That defense is picking up. I mean, the Ravens are probably the hottest team in the NFL right now outside of my Seahawks. I Whoa. Okay. Whoa. I can respect that. I can respect that a lot. They beat the Niners, by the way. That was a massive game for the NFC and for the Seahawks. Uh, Cliff Averill. I don't know if you're going to pick up an uh, English accent at any point, but I hope you dominate over there. You're very good. I appreciate your time today, man. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, cheers. Stay safe. Is it expensive as hell over there? Whoa. Too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Save your money. Go make some, too. We appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good Cliff Averill, you're the best, dude. Hey, that was... Hey, he was really good right very there. Good. Our guest is a national champion from the Ohio State Buckeyes. His nickname is one of the greatest nicknames in history, 12 Gage. He's the starting quarterback for the XFL DC Defenders. Ladies and gentlemen, Cardale Jones. What up, Cardale? Hey, how you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Thanks for coming on the show. Excited to chat with you. Ohio State, massive game this weekend against Penn State. What are the boys thinking in Columbus in your eyes? Oh, man, it's a big one, man. But each game is going to be a big one because we know we're going to get each and every team's best each and every week. But it's a lot on the line this week with Ohio State and Penn State. So we'll see. It should be a good one. What's that horseshoe like? Is that I went to one game there. It was whenever uh, I think Oklahoma was playing against Ohio State. Yes, sir. It was the game where Baker did that thing in the middle of the field. But that crowd was electric the entire game from before kickoff all the way through the final. What should people expect from watching the horseshoe this weekend, especially against the state rivalry against Penn State? That's what it's like every each and every week, man. The fans come out and support. They get up for each and every game, no matter who we who we play because they know how important home field advantage is, and we take pride in that. You know, um, and with the sellout games and, and our student session going crazy the whole game, we literally take pride in giving the other team headaches and having a home field advantage. So I'm excited to get there. It's not like that everywhere, by the way. I'll never forget, I got pulled over in Ohio a week after I got arrested for an alleged event in Indianapolis. I was suspended, so I couldn't go to work. Uh, it was a public intoxication. <laughs> they say I went swimming. I, I did not. I, I had a Cadillac Escalade with 24s and tinted windows. <laughs> I had to drive back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because I couldn't go to work for a week. I'm driving back. I'm driving through Ohio. I get near Columbus, and I have two cops tailing me, and they pull me over for speeding. They said I rode too close to the car in front of me. They put me over the hood of a cop car, and they said they got a tip that a black SUV was coming through with guns or whatever. They asked me, they said, have you ever been arrested before? I was like, yeah. They were like, when? I was like, last week. And they were like, are you kidding me? So they, I was like, yeah, it was, a it was a public intoxication or whatever. So they look it up. They tell me, they're like, you got arrested for a public intoxication in Indianapolis in your Colts I was like, yeah. He was like, if you were a Buckeye, we would have just drove you home. <laughs> that whole state loves the Buckeyes. I can't wait for them to show up at college game day this weekend. Should be fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about you, Cardell. 
you i have never got a chance to talk to you but things that you have done have caught my eye on the internet i think whenever you were young you sent a tweet out that you instantly regretted and then you had to respond with you went back to school to get your degree what has your life been to you because a lot of people who have tweeted about cardale jones talk about how if he didn't go back to school he would have been a number one pick in the nfl instead you get your degree now you're getting a shot to play football again in a brand new league you're pretty much going to be the face of the league the most notable player there how do you feel your entire football life has gone as gone as expected um i wouldn't say as expected i mean it's hard to say that um you know with any aspects of life or how you think uh things should go and uh, rarely they go the way you plan right but um i think it's amazing i think um i wouldn't re- i wouldn't change anything i'm in my past to get me to where i am now um, i have an unbelievable opportunity to play with some unbelievable um guys and play for an unbelievable organization and um i wouldn't change it for the world what is the XFL? You know more. I'm, I get a chance to call some of the games. I'm going to have unprecedented access. They say I might be in a damn huddle with you at some point <laughs> for the DC Defenders. What is the league going to be like, though? What are you learning about it from the people in there? What's the game going to be like? How's it going to go? And what are your expectations for the XFL? Uh, from my understanding, the game is going to go pretty much just like an NFL game, but we have a shorter uh, we have a shorter play clock and a few other rules is tweaked to pretty much keep the game going as um and, and have a lot of more excitement in the game for us the, the kicking rules and, and uh you don't go for an extra point you know it's all a one point or two point or a three point conversion after a touchdown things like that so i'm expecting a lot of excitement a lot of big plays because some of the rules that you know out to protect the players but it's going to encourage more big plays definitely the kicking game so i'm extremely excited what are some of those what's a three point conversion after a touchdown what is that consistent <clears throat> Okay, so for example, you know, after you go for after you get a touchdown, you have an opportunity to go for the, uh, the extra point either on the I believe it's the two yard line, the five yard line, and the ten yard line. Two yard line is worth one, five yard is worth two, ten yard is worth three. So it's a big, it's a big advantage to um, teams to to have a, a a really good red zone offense because you're going to spend a lot of time down there because you got to go for your extra points. There's no kicking the extra points. You still have an opportunity, you know. If you go fourth down and kick a field goal, get three, you know, no matter where you're at on the field. But as far as that extra point is going to add another element, another dimension that coaches are going to have to plan for, what is going to be the strategy? Are we going for two versus one, and, you know, two versus three? So that's going to play a huge factor of, of game management. So there's a, if you're down nine, you're still, it's still a one score game. You're down nine, that's still, still a one, one score game. Wow. The XFL said they're going to reimagine football. Aside from that, is there anything else? You said shorter play clocks. Is there anything else that you've heard about what the league's going to be where you've thought, wow, I never thought that could happen in the game of football? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, if you understand NFL rules, you're going to understand these rules. A couple of tweaks. I mean, you're going to maybe one or two things may look different as far as the kicking game because the guys, for example, punt, the guys can't advance down the field until the ball is actually punted, not snapped. That's a big difference, which is going to give opportunity to the returners to set up positions, to set up. Um, it's going to it's going to encourage more returns. So, and that is a huge difference. And you know, uh, me and a couple of guys are always joking about, hey, we're going to lead the lead in scoring, but have the least amount of points, I mean, least amount of yards on offense. And we're going to get the ball on the other side of the city every time with these kicking rules because the dynamic players and the dynamic returners we have. So, um, a couple of rules like that is going to it's going to you know allow a lot of excitement to the game. So in the NFL, you're only allowed to have two guys leave the line of scrimmage before the ball is kicked. Are you saying that in the XFL, zero people are allowed to leave the line of scrimmage before the ball is kicked, so the returner's going to have nothing but time? 
To my understanding, yes. Oh, my. No one God. can advance down the field until the ball is actually kicked. That is a nightmare for punters, Cardinal. <laughs> you're, you're giving guys that run four twos, four threes back there nothing but time. That There's going to be some explosive plays out there, Cardinal. And I, I totally agree, but I mean, we got some, we got some great coaches in the league. You know, Pep Hamilton, you got Bob Stoops, you got a number of guys around the league. I'm pretty sure with that, that what you just said, you're going to give guys an opportunity to return the ball. I'm pretty sure they're going to have these punters angle the ball out of bounds as much as they can. <laughs> Try to avoid some of that because that is a huge advantage to the return team. Hey, you have a good punter in the XFL. All of a sudden, you're going to have a good team. Got to have a good coach and a good quarterback. It sounds like you're excited to almost be the first class in the new XFL. It sounds like you guys are taking a lot of pride in launching a brand new league. Is that accurate? Oh, oh, for sure. Um, and I've said this numerous times. We are here, and not just for the league. We are strictly talking about our organization, DC Defenders. We are here to set a blueprint and a footprint, footprints and blueprints for years to come. Not just with our organization, but what this league should look like. Oh, that's awesome. Have you met Vince McMahon yet? No, sir, I haven't. Oh, I can't wait. I got a chance to shake his hand one time, and he just said, actually good, and then he walked right <laughs> by me. It was, it was a pretty fantastic thing. Uh, Cardale, hey. I hope the Buckeyes have it. What was your degree in, by the way? Uh, financial planning. Oh, my God. What Are you Are you an investor? Are you taking other people's money? Are you using that at all, or are you just hanging out right now? We'll see. We'll see. Right now, I haven't had the opportunity to expand my um, my college degree because uh, I mean, I'm actually interested in different things as broadcasting and things like that. So we'll see if I ever have to use it. You speak very well. Uh, listening to you talk here about the XFL, I've gotten more information about the league that I'm supposed to work in than anywhere else. <laughs> so I appreciate that a lot. I think the people are intrigued to hear it. Do you now... There's a tweet that you sent out that's one of the most legendary tweets in the history of college football. I assume that was when you were young, and I did not know you were going to be a financial advisor. That is insanity. That tweet, you know the one I'm speaking of, the one where you said you get paid to play football, not paid for school, that whole thing. Was that young, dumb, or what was that whole situation? Yeah, and it was it was more of like, yeah, we didn't come here to play football. I mean, come play two, we can't play football, whatever. Yeah, it was just a, a young and a um, uh, dumb kind of outburst and then like the whole story behind that thing I mean no one knew I, I tweeted that because I had got a B plus in advanced post class and I felt like I should have got an A you know it was one of the things I was pissed like you know I should have got an A I, I put all the time into studying and busting my butt and it's such a misconsumption about that tweet I mean people thought I didn't take academics seriously and what we did at Ohio State I mean you hear it's such a cliche but shit we love it academics was first and it is first and growing up in my household academics was first so we had a different standard of not just the basic, whatever you need to play. No, we had our own standard, and you got to live up by them standards before you touch the field. So, yeah, it was just a young and dumb mistake, but I always took academic extremely, extremely serious. Cardell, you said you got a B-plus and you sent that tweet? If I would have got a B-plus, <laughs> I would have been pumped. I was like, look at me, I'm an academic scholar. <laughs> well, I mean, at, at that point in my career, you know, I was a true freshman and I was putting it, I mean, clearly, I wouldn't, it was no opportunity for me to see no field anytime soon. And I really, really put a lot of more effort and energy into, uh, into my academics. And, you know, I kind of felt like I felt myself like in the B plus. Uh, like, uh, but you got to be kidding me. Oh, wow. Hey. I bet you 95% of the world judged you by that tweet thinking you were a complete dumbass. Instead, <laughs> it's the complete opposite, Cardell. You're like a genius well, over there. Nah. 
I wouldn't say a genius. I wouldn't say a genius. Far from it. But uh, yeah, I mean, and that's the perception that I put on myself. I mean, it, and I mean, granted, if you would have saw that, not know me, what what you would have thought? So I don't blame anyone for you know developing a, a uh, perception of me because of a tweet. Because you know, we we do that as a society every day. Cardell, I'm pulling hard for you, man. I hope you guys set the blueprint for what an XFL team, a football team, is supposed to look like. I hope you take the world by storm. Well, I've seen videos of you throwing the ball on the internet, though. Your nickname, 12 Gauge, is one of the best nicknames I've ever heard in my entire life. How far can you huck a ball? <laughs> man, the furthest I ever got one down the field in the air and landed 82. Uh, <laughs> what a joke! So, yeah, so I mean, I don't know if I can still get it out that far, but I know I got a, We got a guy named Tyreek Jackson. He can push you down there. And actually, we are down here in um, Louisiana with a couple of coaches and a couple of our a lot wideouts down and doing some routes and then getting together some time. And so I'm um, looking at the way he swings the ball. I'm pretty sure he can push it just as far. Jeez, <laughs> it's going to be explosive plays all over the XFL. I'm excited to watch you. Happy to learn that you're an incredibly intelligent dude, too. That's awesome. Everybody makes mistakes. You shouldn't judge. Let's move forward. Excited to see what you do for the D.C. defenders. Tell Pep Hamilton that there ain't a single day in his entire life that he could outrun me. He'll know what that means. He was a coach for the Colts. He and I used to bicker on a regular basis. Good luck over there. Can't wait to call one of your games. And cheers, ladies and gentlemen, national champion, Carl. Dale Jones. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The thought <laughs> of the NFL moving to Europe has been a conversation. Everybody thinks that there's a chance that London will have a team. I personally have no idea how that would work logistically. I think a lot of people in the know, including the Khan family who owns a soccer team in England and the Jacksonville Jaguars here, who have their team travel to England a lot, have said to Rich Eisen that they don't see it working. They don't know how a team over there would work. I think the NFL wants to implement more games in Europe. I think the NFL wouldn't mind seeing the game grow into Europe, but having a team based over there, I think, is a bunch of malarkey. I, I don't, I don't think it's possible just because the traveling for families and workouts and things like that. There's a lot of turnover on NFL rosters that you don't hear about because they're not the big name players. I don't know how you would get the guys to London, get them back, and everything like that. It would just be a hellacious situation. Now, I do believe since the game is going to 17 game seasons. And with two buys with a neutral site game for each team, I believe there'll be more games in Europe, which is good for Europe, good for the game, good for the league. Now, if we are going to venture into traveling international with an NFL team, this morning, Adam Schefter said, why not have the Chargers go to Mexico City? There was more Chargers fans at that game in Mexico City than there are Chargers fans in Los Angeles, in the MLS stadium that they're currently playing in. you got to remember the Chargers to the entire world are still the San Diego Chargers. San Diego is, what, a four-iron away from Mexico? Pretty much. Literally. I, I think yeah. it's an actual four-iron away mm -hmm. from Mexico. So the Chargers have this massive fan base in Mexico. That was on display on Monday Night Football. They couldn't get a win against the Chiefs for their amigos, but they could still see the support. And Schefter said this morning on Get Up. He said, why not have the Chargers move to Mexico City? We're talking about teams going international. We're talking about growing the game. We're going to have to add some things. Mexico City is an easy travel for folks. Bang, bang, boom. Still on the same continent, at least, as opposed to being over in Europe where the time change and everything like that. And it's funny that Schefter said that. Because when we were in Pittsburgh, 
we were floating around ideas. I think we had a few vitamins. We we're like, well, the team in your I think somebody asked me, like, Pat, why don't you think the team will work in Europe? And I'm like, well, I've explained to some of my show like ten times, thank you for listening. And we started talking about it. And I said, Well, I just think logistically, I, I said, you know what though, maybe a team in Canada. I think Canada deserves a team. If you look at what the Toronto Raptors did oh, last year, whenever hey. they won, it was the Canadian Raptors that that went to the NBA finals. The entire country was behind them. Canada loves football. The CFL does well. You got a lot of fans up there. Why not give Canada a team? I still feel that way. Why not give Canada a team? You have it in Toronto, I'd assume, and that would stink kind of for the British Columbia folks that are all the way over there on the left, like Gumpy's people. But I think you have it in Toronto, beautiful city. I assume they could afford having a new stadium. I think that'd be cool. And then I, I said, aloud, I said, hey, why, why, don't we, uh, why don't we put a team down in Mexico maybe? And there was this Yinzer that was sitting at the table next to us. We were at the casino, sitting at the table next to us, and he knew who I was, so he was listening, I think, to the entire conversation. And he goes, uh, in his high-pitched voice, he asked me, what's that? What's that? What'd you say? I said, uh, excuse me, sir. I, um, I said, we're talking about NFL teams going international. And the thought was, since people were saying, by the way, Ty, let's get to that real quick. Yep. Okay, so the people were saying... I was one of the people saying, and Schefter said it this morning, that an NFL team in Mexico would be good. That guy piped over and asked me, what was that? And I said, well, there's NFL teams that are potentially going to Europe. Why don't we put one in Mexico? And this guy, right on cue, we're talking without even the words fully coming out of my mouth, responds with, Were you living in a fairy tale? Did you know that Mexico has registered more murders in the first six months? of 2019 than any other year in recent history? I mean, the spiral of violence is not showing any signs of slowing down. Five of the, the six most deadly cities in the world? They're in Mexico. You got El Chapo's son running around, launching guerrilla warfare, shoving sticks of dynamite down cops' throats. I mean, welcome to the modern world. The NFL in Mexico's never gonna work. And obviously, we all started dying laughing. At the, we all started dying laughing, not only because the guy's voice was incredible, but the fact that he just had these stats ready to go on the button. So none of us believed him, right. obviously. We go about our night. We say, thank you, sir. We keep it moving. And the next day, Ty Googled it, and actually everything that guy said Pretty accurate. is actually Pretty accurate. accurate. So I think the thing we should think about is if the team was to go to Mexico City, and it's an incredible stadium. Obviously, the field would have to get figured out. The footing would have to get figured out. Would it be an issue outside of football in the rest of Mexico and the way that entire country kind of operates for the NFL? I have no idea. I have no clue. The game went off without a hitch. But if you ask that guy in Pittsburgh, and I would assume a lot of other people, they'd be like, no way should the NFL go to Mexico. And I have, I have no clue. I would assume there's problems everywhere. But those stats were alarming from that guy sitting next to us at the casino. Yeah, not good. And, and granted, I don't know how many of those cities are actually – Closely located near Mex uh, Mexico City, but you know it's uh, it's startling nonetheless. Welcome to the modern world. <laughs> I mean, welcome to the modern world. Jeez, that guy was the best. I mean, as someone, how does he have those stats? By the way, that guy is chanting "Build the wall." Oh yeah, oh, without, without question. That guy, he's put down a couple bricks already, probably. <laughs> those stats were all accurate, though. To his, they, they were. To his defense, and I, I just, I think we should give Canada a football team. For Can sure, the Canadian Chargers, huh? Oh, the Canadian Chargers up there. They they flirted with moving the Bills until uh, who was the Pagulas saved them or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you can't move the Buffalo Bills. No, no, you can't. No, 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 I'm not saying, I'm not well, no, by the way, a lot of people would say you can't move the Oakland Raiders, especially after Black Hole. I would have moved Oakland to Mexico because last time o- Oakland or the Raiders, sorry, played in Mexico, that was there was a huge, huge Raiders fans. So okay, so there's there. a lot of Raiders fans. And then there. I would have taken Chargers to Vegas. Well, there's a lot of Raiders fans there. There's a lot of Chargers fans there. There's a lot of Chiefs fans. It sounded like. Sounds like Mexico is a rather oh, large yeah. like football. Why? Why are we not doing? We have all these games in Europe. Why isn't there more games? Is it because of what that guy in Pittsburgh said? Is that one hundred percent the reason why? It could be. I think also just who knows with the you know they they talk about how corrupt the government is in places like who knows how hard it is to to move that you know get get through the red tape oh, of yeah. that. Well, there was supposed to be a game there last year, but they set the field on fire during a concert, so that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good show. <laughs> and then that that game got moved to L.A. and it was the best game of the year. L.A. Chiefs Rams Chiefs was. 50 to 50 or whatever the score was. Oh, yeah. And then, um, but as a man who's dealt with the mob before, uh, you introduced 53 millionaires into uh, into Mexico. How many? 53. Huh. 53 millionaires? Oh, on the team? Yeah. I don't know if 53 of them are millionaires. Yeah. There's like probably 15. Ipso facto. 16 millionaires. You're talking about Denzel Fireman on fire. There. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a risk of that. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get their, uh, if you want protection, they're going to have someone walk up to them. I'd be intrigued by this whole how this whole international thing is going to work. I do believe Canada or Mexico deserve the first international team, though. Mm-hmm. Why not? Canada. The Canadian, The way the Raptors were treated whenever they're going to the finals was beautiful. I don't know. It's going to be a conversation that's going to continue, though, until it happens, especially with the 17-game season coming up. As the growth of the NFL continues and as ratings continue to go up, there's always going to be these dream situations and scenarios. I think Canada deserves a team. And you know what? Mexico sounds like they got a lot of fans as well. Give oh, yeah. them a team. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> that's so funny. As guys, we aren't the best at taking care of ourselves. Until now, there were two kinds of personal care options. Brands that cost a fortune and brands that haven't changed since you've been in middle school. Unlike both, the team at Huron, a new men's care business, is helping you look out for the guy in the mirror by offering high-quality products like body wash, face wash, and face lotion without breaking the bank. Huron's line of products is straightforward, easy to use, and comes in regular and travel sizes, perfect for the gym or away games. Huron uses only the best possible ingredients and avoids harmful toxins. Their products are free of parabens, sulfur, silicones and aluminum and are 100% vegan. Huron's products are built from the ground up with you in mind, meant to keep you looking good and feeling fresh throughout the entire day. The products are gentle enough for most skin types while deep cleansing and effective. Your skin is the body's largest organ. It's time to start caring for it, Diggs. Huron, straightforward men's care products that won't break the bank. Visit www.usehuron.com and enter code PAT20 for 20% off your first order. That's www.usehuron.com and promo code PAT20 for 20% off. It's awesome. I hate parabens. Parabens are like the thing that I fear most whenever I'm washing my shit. Then you add in their sulfate, silicones, and aluminum. I'm like, I'm done with it. And now I'm washing with 100% vegan stuff. (laughs) Ho, ho! Not only are the vegans more righteous than us, it's definitely a much better way to clean. www.usehuron.com, code PAT20 for 20% off your first order. Diggs, how long have you been using this stuff? About six weeks. How's it been going? Delicious. Be like Diggs. Be like the cleanest of clean human beings. Get rid of the harmful toxins in your life. Go to usehuron.com, enter code PAT20 for 20% off your first order. Clean your shit, dude. 
Why why are the NBA ratings down, you think? This was this is a, a real thing that came out here in the last couple of days. If you ask Clay Travis, he's been tweeting that they're down 27% or something over the last couple of years. We couldn't find that stat, but we did find that it was down. Ratings were down for the NBA, up for the NFL. Up over last year and drastically up over a couple of years ago, whenever the entire you know, kneeling situation happened. PR scandals started going out of control for the NFL. And everybody was thinking the NFL was potentially going to fall off at that point. Is this the end of the game? Concussions were being talked about. CTE. Dr. Will Smith, tell everybody to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. It was a war on football. It was. Everybody called it a war on football. And it was working, by the way. Football was going down. In turn, NBA was going straight up. Sport of the future, like Dippin' Dots, they were saying. Not lacrosse. <laughs> not lacrosse. It was NBA. Everybody was like, well, the NBA does a good job marketing their players. They let their players do this. They do this. They do this. It's a good in-game experience. Everything like that. And then now, here we are a couple years later, and everything that we thought we once knew, we no longer know. Like when we were kids, we were told to drink milk. Now there's people that will tell you straight to your face, <laughs> milk is dangerous for you. Mm-hmm. Everything you're ever told is a lie. That's what we need to know. And right now, I don't know how the NBA turns it around. And last night, I would be putting a Greek freak and Vince Carter oh, yeah. one-on-one on TV every single night. I got a few thoughts on why it's done. Okay. Number one. I think the Eastern Conference stinks, and those are all the 7 o'clock primetime games normally. East Coast bias is a real thing. So if why you, watch them? Yep, True. I could agree with that. Uh, the Warriors were supposed to, not supposed to be this bad. You didn't think that Curry was going to get hurt, and D'Angelo Russell was going to get hurt, and mm-hmm. Clay was going to be out for the entire season, and they're on all the primetime games. So Worst team in the them? NBA. Mm-hmm. And by the way, whenever you hear that they're on television, you probably watch, and then you go like, this team stinks, yep. and then you turn it off immediately. Right. And whenever the NBA was scheduling things, I'd assume they're like, well, these guys really good at basketball, going to be really good at basketball let's give them all the primetime games and they stink it's like when the nfl and the cowboys are bad and they're on national tv all the time it's exactly gonna be tough. and then probably the biggest reason is lebron's on too much and people hate watching LeBron. whoa 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 see whoa, i think whoa. If, if anything lebron's saving the ratings like he's still like the one stalwart that people will drop what they're doing to go watch i turn it off if i see him no on. he's like floyd oh, yeah. mayweather lebron is floyd mayweather if you hate him you want to watch to see what he does exactly you want to watch to see if he lets a ball roll out of bounds <laughs> You know, you want to see if he shows up with a glass of wine. You want to see if he goes off for 50, 60, and has an incredible dunk, a no-look pass or two, and does something insane. Now, if you love him, all you're trying to see is, okay, LeBron, do something that I can say publicly that makes me like you even more, (laughs) that buries the people that hate you. It hasn't been a lot of that lately uh, off the court, but on the court, I think he's been turning it on. I would argue that he's doing well. I watched the Clippers. They were playing uh, the Celtics last night. night. Great game last night. Mm -hmm. I watched that after I got home from an NBA game. I, I really felt like I got my entire NBA you know, appetite filled for the season, probably. Sure. <laughs> and that could potentially be why the ratings are down, too. But whenever basketball, and when the NBA is doing good, it's good. Yeah. Like, whenever whenever they're playing and you got the healthy players and things are going well, I mean, it's good. I think I would argue it's some of the best sport in the world whenever the NBA is really going. But, boy, a bad NBA game is mm. tough to watch. Cause it's the worst. The initial reaction is like, oh, these guys aren't trying. They're not running as fast as they can. And these dudes stink. So it's like tough to watch. I don't know. That's going to have to be a little bit of a PR point point that you brought up, and I think NBA social media is the only league that lets you just rip clips and put them on social media with no yeah. um, repercussions. repercussions at all. And so, is that a bad decision? I We used to always commend them for doing it. But if you could just go on Twitter and pretty much catch all the highlights from the game, you don't have, really have to watch the game. I know. It's interesting because we put our show strictly everything on social media, <laughs> yeah. basically, right? Yeah. So what does that do for ratings elsewhere? I don't know. We count those as our ratings, yeah. though, as people should. It's like, hey, how many people saw this clip? We saw this. This. These are the numbers we did today, both clips 
and show wise, right? So you can put those together. Those are two different things from a marketing standpoint. Who knows if leagues will ever do that, right? Because it's going to be tough to. Now, granted, you got a lot of leagues putting little uh, uh, watermark stamps on mm-hmm. from businesses, so they're starting to sell their social videos. But that doesn't help for ratings. For our show, we are an internet show, so that is like kind of the only thing that we have. If you're a television thing. But also, a lot of your clips are getting shared on social media. Are you feeling screwed if you're Fox or if you're NBC or if you're ESPN and you TNT. paid TNT and you paid for these rights? And then me on the internet, who I love the internet by the way, and I hope this never goes away. I'll watch an entire Lakers game just on the Lakers Twitter feed. They'll be like, "All right, yeah, here's a dunk. Good, we're up, we're down, we're tied, we win. All right, good. The Lakers got a big win last night. Did you see what the Lakers did last night? Yeah, I scrolled through five tweets. Well, and that's what they need to do because anymore, like that's people would much rather do that than go sit at a basketball game or watch a basketball game for three hours. The same as everything else. But I think the biggest issue is they need to start the season at Christmas. If, I mean, most of their audience is probably NFL fans Mm -hmm. as well. Like, you just can't compete with the NFL, especially right now when it's like the peak of the season, all, you know, all the, the playoffs are still up in the air. It's just... You know, the players aren't going to hate it if you, you know, trim 20 games off the season. They should. They should just wait until after Christmas. Not just NFL either. Uh, when college was a t- couple weeks ago, when college basketball started and mm-hmm. there was a full slate of NBA and everything, the MAC took in more betting action than any other. MAC mm-hmm. football took in more betting action than the NBA, college basketball, hockey, anything together. Football is just, is just king. Hey, you just need to recognize, okay? You know, when you hit that big slice. Instead of trying to correct the slice, just aim left. <laughs> right? Bingo. That's what the NBA needs to do. Like, instead of trying to make your game bigger than football, which is probably not going to happen, just aim left. Mm-hmm. Just move the season a little bit and take advantage of when it's not in there. Because although there was a war on football and football ratings were dropping, this is a football country. It's just the way it's going to be. Anytime the NFL does anything, it takes over everything. Thank you all so much for listening this week. You're the absolute best. Thanks to all of our guests. Um, I got a busy weekend. I'm going to be in Columbus tomorrow morning for game day. Remember, if you're going to game day, have your signs ready to go with hashtag for the brand to enter into a contest to win a suite to the Big Ten Championship at Lucas Oil Stadium and $1,000 spending cash. We have the suite on deck. It's good for eight people with four standing room only, so 12 folks if you really want it. Also, the $1,000 spending cash is yours. Spend it in Indy. Do whatever you got to do whenever you got to do it. Have your sign be creative. There will be a group of judges. Hashtag for the brand to enter. And then whammy, let's have a weekend. Also be at NXT TakeOver uh, War Games in Chicago on Saturday night. So am I sleeping much in the next couple of days? Absolutely not. So you know what I need? I need some tweets to make me feel good. At Pat McAfee Show, at Tone Diggs, at Viva Lazito, at Ty Schmidt, at Evan Foxy, and the rest of the boys. Make me laugh, and I'll give you some merch. By the way, massive sale coming up. We got some good shit coming. I feel really good about this line that we're about to drop in about three days, four days. Five days. In the next few days. It's going to be great for the holidays. You're the absolute best. Uh, Cheers. Ty Schmidt, play some independent music. For those curious, this is So Proud by DJ Quads.
been a hell of a show, but I have to tell you one thing and one thing alone. I fucking hate Steven Singer. Oh, you God. heard me. We hate, we, not just me, we hate Steven Singer. There's this guy in Philadelphia you've been hearing about. If you've been to Philly. Yo, fuck Steven Singer. That guy fucking stinks, dude. You may have seen the billboards or heard him on the radio. I hate Steven Singer. What does that even mean? Whether you're in Philly or not, Steven Singer is the most hated jeweler in America. Why? Because other jewelers just can't stand him. He doesn't just have the best diamonds anywhere, but he has the best prices anywhere with no coupon codes, discounts, phony sales, or other bullshit. I'm excited to tell you about our newest sponsor, Steven Singer Jewelers. Steven makes buying diamond jewelry easy and fun. Steven can help you wrap up holiday gift shopping right now. He takes no risk shopping to the next level with his unbeatable 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and fast and free shipping both ways. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com, or if you're near Philly, visit their store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut. Buy real diamonds from real experts, Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Listen, you know why I hate Steven Singer? Why? Because I had to buy a ring for my lady before meeting Steven yeah. Singer and hearing about his deal where he has free shipping and fast shipping, and he sells out of Philly, but he makes it fun, and he's accurate. So I fucking hate the guy. I wish I would have met him about six, seven months ago. Ty does as well. So does Diggs. Three guys in this room that have had to deal with the bullshit of other jewelers who haven't got a chance to meet Steven Singer. Don't make the same mistake that we did. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com. I-H-A-T-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. By the way, women love jewelry. Oh, shit. I don't know what to buy my lady or significant other. Here's an easy answer. Earrings. Oh, I got her earrings last year. Okay? Get her a necklace. Oh, I got her a necklace last year. Get her a bracelet. Oh, I got her a bracelet last year. Well, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Get another pair of ears. Yeah. She'll be fine. Diamonds. That'll shut her up. That's what Ron White says. Not me. I would never say that. That's what Ron White says. And it's not about shutting them up. It's about making them happy and letting them know that not only do you care about them, not only do you want them to look their best, it's about investing in your love for them. I hate stevensinger.com. You'll invest less than everywhere else that you invest in diamond jewelry. And that's why Steven Singer is the absolute best. Ain't that right, Ty? Yeah. Fuck Steven Singer, though. Yo! Yo, fuck you, Steve! Geos are pats!